A very welcome to Liberty Church this morning. God is good, amen? Amen. We've been studying the Psalms over, we're not studying, walking through the Psalms and with that um, Psalm, anyone know? 16 and uh, there's a lot of Psalms, there's 150 of them. So just to let you know, we're not going to walk through every one of them, but in July the preachers are going to be picking a Psalm that the Lord has laid on their heart. So, so we get a flavor of the other Psalms and then every year we're hoping to tick into 20 of them as you know, so that we do get through them over the next. Oh, listen, I heard a testimony, would you believe it? This guy became a Christian, a Muslim guy became a Christian, right? And this was his testimony that, um, so he goes, he, 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 he came over from um, Saudi to, to learn English in America. The old, the, in the college, he didn't know anybody, he gets put with um, the family that were like um, friends of foreign nationals, they were called, uh, uh, society. But he didn't tell them that this was a Christian ministry. And he ends up with a family that are assigned to him that will look after him and help him learn English more in a family context. Like lovely. What love will do. And anyway, he moved on and he, he, he has a big story, but he ends up going to a church years later with another person. And that morning, they were preaching on the Gospel of Luke, which they were coming to the end of five years of preaching through the Gospel of Luke. Five years, they were going through a line by line as they're preaching, preaching the outline. And that morning, the story that was being preached from spoke directly to Christian. That caused him to give his heart to Jesus. Isn't that unbelievable? That you think, you think God knows everything, don't you? He does. Like you think, all those, in them preaching roles, in that church, in that time, that and that, with them preachers, with that man and all his journey, that God had it sorted. Now you're going to go that morning, they're going to preach from this text, and your life is going to be transformed. The word of God is powerful. It's powerful. And just to say on the four Wednesdays in July, we're going to have a guest speaker come in on a Wednesday evening because people want to stay in groups. People are staying in their groups, and um, but people want... We want to cater for everybody. So Wednesday night, the first guy that's coming in to speak, I've given him a topic which I think is really cool. Um, he's a church historian, and um, but he's not like boring. Do you know what I mean? Well, he better not be. <laughs> he wasn't boring over coffee anyway. And um, but uh, he's going to tell us five things that the church could learn today from church history. So that's an education in itself, isn't it? And um, so that would be the, the Wednesday that's in, in July. Let's get into the Word of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your people. Thank you for every person that's here today. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you take these few words and accelerate and quicken them to our hearts, what's necessary. Break it up, bread. Feed us. Ed edify us, Lord. Encourage your people. We ask for revelation, Lord. That, Lord, my words would be words, but your voice would be behind the Lord. Your breaking of your bread and giving us sustenance, O oh God. And wholeness, Lord. Health. That your word would be a hammer that would break off anything that's around our hearts that is hardened. It would be water to us, Lord, that would soothe and refresh us, Lord. It would be a fire in our bones, Lord, that sets us ablaze, that when this world tells us to shut up, we'll be like Jeremiah. If I wanted to, I couldn't even, because this word, this word is like fire in my bones, that 
just has to get out of me. That your church would not be the silent minority in this land, O oh God. That, Lord, that you would raise us up to be voices in every sector of our land, in our city, in our nation, and the nations of the world, O oh God. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 16. I'm going to end today with communion, just so you know. And um, I'm going to ask you to come forward and take communion and to stand at, here at the end and we break bread together. Amen. And then, um, so, so if I forget about you, go, don't forget communion. <coughs> so here's David. Um, he says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood of such go- to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my Lord, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. There's so much in this that I could preach for the next two hours, honestly. David is obviously in a situation where he's saying, Lord, will you keep me safe? And we went through the Psalms, we've went through the Psalms, in particularly Psalm 13, that, I really, that really touched my heart, that, that God has, he says, um, where are you, Lord? How long must this go on? Why are you hiding your face from me? That David had all these, what's called the lament, he poured out his heart to God saying, Lord, these are the things that are troubling me. And the whole point of it is, is that as Christians, we don't have to jump into the hallelujahs without recognizing that we are in a war or that we have made a mess. That he doesn't want us to jump from, from, from like what's going on and the feelings and the, the guilt and condemnation and shame that's attached to it. He wants us to pour them out so that in Psalm 13 he says, Lord... David says, brighten my eyes so that I can see you in the midst of all of that. And then I'll praise you. So God is not afraid of our pain. He's not afraid of our mess. He sent his only begotten son into the mess. Didn't he? Why? Because he loves us. So David is is, is talking, keep me safe. So there's something going on. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the people of the land that they are the noble ones in whom is my delight. So then David sets out a map for us that we're on Gala land today. Listen to that passage where it says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And you can see David is facing something, but instead of now concentrating on the something that's gone wrong, he acknowledges it. He recognizes he needs safety. He recognizes he needs protection. He recognizes he needs God to be his refuge. But then he starts declaring something. Lord, you alone are my portion. 
You make my loss secure. So he was encouraging himself, prophesying, if you will, what God has already laid out for him. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So he's letting, out, he's letting people know, himself know, the heavenly places know, God know that I trust in you, Lord. I trust that my cup, you're my cup and you're my portion. My lot is secure. You have made the boundary lines fall in pleasant places for my life. And that is the truth. That is the reality. He talks about God instructing them in the night time. This is latent with relationship opportunities, relationship with God, invitations. God, you're my cup. You're my portion. It's you that, that is my everything. Not, not all the things, but him, himself. He invites us into a relationship. David is saying, God is your portion. God is your cup. David is saying, get this right. You have an opportunity to know God. Not know what he does. Not concentrate on, on, on what he can do or religious ceremonialism. Not on good works or social works. Not even on, on church. Church is not your portion. He's your portion. The things that God does is not your portion. He's your portion. So here's what God is saying. I, I'm, I'm ready to give myself to you. So don't sell for things when you can have the king. Don't settle for, 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 for the trappings of Christianity before you go for the king who will give, who is everything. So the invitation is don't settle for religion. Don't settle for just going to church, reading your Bible, do this, do this. Don't, don't let that be all that you do and you miss knowing him. Being instructed by him. Seeing him. Engaging with him. Being intimate with him. Can you see all of the things of the world's religious things that we've even grown up in our land? Everything is being put between us and him. Do you get it? Everything is being put in. You have to do this. Go there. Bow down here. Do this. Stand up there. Say this. Say this. Bring in other, other saints. Bring in Marys. Bring in whoever you want. We're going to say, no, it's me. Me saying, I'm not going to bow down, David saying, I'm not going to pour out offerings to anyone else when God is my portion. And we mightn't do statues, we mightn't do anything, but we can do other things. We can make other things. Like, not singing the songs is not what's great, it's who we're singing to is great. So if this team gets up there and just sings songs, we might as well go up to Belaney's pub and have a karaoke. Who are we singing to? Who are we singing about? Who are, they, who are we declaring? And David is saying that he is our portion. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. See, and, and his righteousness and all these things, everything that we need will be added on. But what happens is, we go after the things that we need and we forget the king. And we get it back to front. And we wonder why stuff is not working. And we wonder why things are not happening in my life. Because maybe we're chasing after all the stuff and not the king himself. Jesus says, seek the king. See, you don't get the kingdom without the king. You don't get the king without the kingdom. So the two of them are locked in together. Jesus says, John 17, 3, this is now, he says, now, this is eternal life, that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So it's not about eternal life. Somewhere in the distant future. Jesus says, this now is eternal life. What is eternal life? That you may know God. And Jesus Christ whom he sent. 
How do we know God? How do we get to know God? How do you get to know anybody then? You talk. You engage. You communicate. It's two ways. It's not just me going in with my list, Father in heaven, I want do, 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 do. See you next Monday. Father, what's going on? Father, what do I need to do? Will you show me by the power of the Holy Spirit where I need to go, what I need to do for breakthrough. When I read his word, Holy Spirit, will you show me something in your word? Let him be the boss. Let him be God. Let him lead us. That's how our lives fall into pleasant places. He has set our lives in pleasant places. And the greatest pleasant place is in his presence. And if you go there, I promise you, he told me this. It's, in the, it's all over the world, but he told me this to say every time I'm speaking. If you just go into your room, in your car, whatever, but go into your room, your sitting room, wherever the cool place is, close the door and put on some worship. If you've no worship songs, say, here I am, God. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels of me. I have nothing in on myself, Lord. I, I don't bring you anything other than me. I don't have to make a way because Jesus made the way. I don't have to pour out offerings because Jesus is the offering. And he says we can boldly come in. And if you come in, here's what he promised me. He says, no, tell them, I'll meet them. He'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. He'll show you. You just wait on him. Just, just give him that space and, and just, just go in. And Because like, I don't know about you, the last six months for me has been like just waiting on God. And going in, being diligent not to ask him for that and just to ask him for him. And do you know what we said? I was with a pastor the other day. Myself, last night we were somewhere, and we, a Friday night, and we just met a pastor and we got talking. How was things? Oh God, look, I want to tell you, brother, what's happened to me and Rob the last couple of months. I'm not bringing the whole church here, believe me. And I said, you know what? We're getting more done doing less than when we were doing more. Are you worked out one now? <laughs> well, with him more, but more work is getting done. We're praying. Things weren't happening in Africa for us with Chris and Sheila. People weren't signing the right forms. They weren't even going out to find the kids that were orphans to bring into our homes. We're praying. I told you this many times when we're praying, God, it's like I feel like I'm 40 foot tall. And now I'm standing over Africa. Mr. Hiroto, move. Within days, things are moving. Now, we could have written them letters being on the phone, going over to visit. Mr. Rodney, nothing happened. In the presence of God. I'll give you a sneak preview of how beautiful it is. Erica was going out to work uh, last week or something. Erica, that was singing. And uh, she says, uh, she came in, she says, Dad, will you sleep on the floor in the sitting room? It was when Robin and Sharon was in Africa, actually. And, and uh, so I still got up and pray. I says, no, I, no, I wasn't asleep, honey. No, I wasn't asleep, honey. I really wasn't. I said, that's, that's my sonship position. I said, what do you mean that's your sonship position? I didn't even know there was positions. I don't know, I just made it up anyway. But like, no meaning this. I was on the floor with my pillow with a little blanket over me, lying down in the fetal position. But my head was on his lap. And I just lie there and I go, Father, I love you. I thank you that I'm your son. I thank you that 
I go, never, all I had to do was to believe. And see, I'm not saying that's when it's good. It's not only when it's good, because if I can't do that, I'm allowed something become me, between me and my portion. Whether it's guilt or condemnation. Because it's there. It's there all week. I'll go in, get on the floor, lie down, go, Father, I'm here. And then I tell the enemy when I stand up. Because that's not my sonship position. That's my warrior position. Devil, you're going to pay for your tricks this week. I'm going to release the church more when I look back over the last couple of weeks and what God has allowed me to do within the nation. I knew, I didn't realize there was going to be a kickback before people this week says to me, I've been praying for you and praying for you and I thought I was doing well until Wednesday I took some punches from the enemy. And when I realized the next morning, the Lord says, get up, get up, baby. I didn't want to get up. I'd have me killed all the night before and everything. I didn't want to get up. Now my flesh to get in, my thinking to be wrong. Holy Spirit, because I wake up a quarter to six for prayer now. Holy Spirit, oh Lord, me too, didn't I? Get up, son. Told Rob, cancelled me and Rob because of me. Making provision for the flesh. I tell you, if you give it an inch, you become a ruler. Get up, son. I got up, got on my knees. Lord, I come before you. Forgive me. Then I got into position. Thank you, Father. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He will bring you on the greatest adventures you could ever imagine. And David says, listen, he's your portion. He's the cup that never runs dry. That's what he says in the Psalms 23. My cup overflows when you're with him. You're an overflowing, growing Christian. You're not stagnant with nothing to say, Christian. You have something to say. You, you wish someone for a coffee and I'm like, I'm sorry, I know I talked for an hour, but forgive me. You can only pour life out if life is being poured in. You can only pour out life if life is being poured in. You have to go to him. And your cup overflows. See, he could fill the cup three quarters full and that's for me. But the overflow is for you. The overflow is the anointing. The overflow is when you talk, something's happening, the atmosphere is around you. Your prayers are being answered. The overflow, the, the cup being filled is mine. But the overflow is for someone else. And God said to Abraham in Genesis 15.1, He says, Abraham, wait, God said to Abraham, sorry, after this, 15.1 of Genesis, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your very great reward. So when you read at the top of a chapter after this, you have to go back and find out what this was, don't you? So you go back into 14, go, what was after this? What had happened was Abraham had to go to war. Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, uh, four, five, five kings came against um, Sodom and Gomorrah and took all the people. Imagine the, the wealth that they took with them, took everything with them. And, 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 and Lot was with them. And then someone came to Abraham and says, Lot is after being whipped off with these kings. He's, you know, who knows? His family's gone, everything. Abraham goes with men. Oh, 318 men or something took on a whole army. Takes everything back, right? Takes... takes all the people back, all the people that belonged to Sodom and Gomorrah, he rescued them. One person with 318 people, it doesn't take a lot to win a nation, does it? It just takes people to be filled with God. And, and, and he goes and, and he brings them back in. And then the other kings come out of Sodom and Gomorrah and he says, look, here, take all of the riches. Just give us our people back. And Abraham says, no, I don't take that off you. He says, God will make me rich. 
God is my portion. No, not God is my. He says, God, I will take nothing so that you will not be able to say, you made Abraham wealthy. Then he meets Melchizedek, who was a type of Jesus, who broke bread and wine with them. And, uh, and he gives him a tenth of everything. <sighs> Hello? And uh, then he goes, and then God says, after this, after what? After rejecting the wealth, the riches of Sodom and Gomorrah. I imagine Abraham probably was sitting there going, what am I after doing? I'm after throwing it down. Billions in gold. Did that ever happen to you? One day we were selling a van. We had three vans for reaching out to the, um, the city. And uh, I had a great idea. I had uh, three vans. We go into the homeless in the city. This is like 15 years ago or more, was it? Like, and uh, go in. Someone, I asked someone for money to get me 30,000 euro and above three vans. What I didn't think of was how are we going to service them next year? How are we going to insure them next year? So it was a great idea, but it wasn't well thought through. And so we had to sell one of them. One of them got robbed on us. And um, oh, that's a story, but I can't go into it. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe that story. Remind me someday. It's a great one. Uh, anyway, one got robbed. Uh, one we kitted out to go into the city and the other one I was selling for 11,000 and then I'd done a deal with Sharon Perry's church Abundant Life is Abundant Grace so I, 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 like, I, I had all the paperwork you're walking up the stairs to a meeting here and uh, we shook on the deal 11 grand which is a lot of money isn't it it's a lot of money to this church and, and uh, before she took about four steps the Lord said give it to her like I've learned not to hesitate when I believe it's the Lord I get into trouble for it because you can't include everybody if you have a moment. So I ran up and I said to him, give him all the paperwork here. It's yours. They said, thank you. Are you sure? They said, thank you. Yeah. Walk back down the stairs. You dope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell the elders. <laughs> Not that 11 grand you were talking about. Gone. Can you imagine Abraham? What am I after doing? And God says, Abraham, I'm your very great reward. I'm it. Don't mind the riches. If you have me, you'll have everything. Do you get what I'm saying? If you have him, you will get absolutely everything that you need. And I want to tell you, we've been under the gun financially, but we've never been ill. We have scraped at the barrel and then we've, we've had vats to overflow. How can a church that gives away that do 1,500 hampers over 40 grand would have filled at Christmas that we just gave out to families in need? Why? Because we said your air portion, your air reward, that we're not going to chase what everyone is chasing, even Christians, even other churches, we're not going to chase, we're going to chase God. Because if we have him, we have everything. We could have everything that you can imagine in this place and Jesus not being here present to heal us. And shame not being talked about. And men being picked out and put coats on them. We could have it all because when we're after everything else, time frames and slots for churches doesn't allow for anything else. He says they're boundary lines. Your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. I want you to know that. This is what God says. For I know the plans I have for you. God has plans. He has lines set out. There's Edward's life. There he says, your pleasant life, your pleasant walk with God, your pleasant, he's, he's listen to his plans, listen to what's in the boundary lines. Into, he says, for another plans, how about you declare, Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Pleasant places that the lines that he has for you and me are filled with hope, which is absolutely, this country has a famine of hope. 
That's why you hear it all the time. That's why people are ending their lives. That's why people are running away because they're losing hope. And he's saying, that God is saying that, look at your pleasant places, the plans I have you are filled with hope. Not only for you, but your cup overflows with hope to give away. And a future. And prosperity. How to walk within these pleasant lines that God has given you. Jeremiah 29, 11 is what I read out. Here's how we continue to walk in the pleasant line. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Verse 12. How do we get to walk and stay in the pleasant lines, the boundaries? We continue to seek God. Listen to the rest of it. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations, places where I've banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back into the place for which I carried, from which I carried you into exile. Why was he carrying the people out of captivity? Because that wasn't the pleasant lines he set for them. You're in bondage, you're in captivity. You're outside of God's lines. He wants to bring you in today. Because the boundary lines are set. The boundary lines are marked. And he says, I'm calling you back. Why? Because I'm calling you back to peace. I'm calling you back to hope. I'm calling you back to joy. Why? Because they're within the boundary lines I've set for you. And if we've been taken captive, or we've walked out of those boundary lines, that's why we're not walking in peace. Are you with me? That's why we're not walking in shalom. Because I have removed myself. The lines have set. The map is being marked. The, 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 the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for us. Places of unconditional love, relationship, forgiveness, freedom, ever-present God, protection, hope, joy, peace, wisdom, prosperity, mission, purpose, generational blessing, guidance, abundant life that God has set therein. And when I'm not living in any of that, it means I've moved outside of the lines. But look at God. As soon as I say, Lord, I want to come home, I'm back in. The tormentor can't get me in that place. The, the, the worry can't get hold of me because I'm in his place. He can knock at my door, but he can't get a hold of me. The hopelessness can't live with me because I'm living in the boundary lines where it's full of hope and prosperity. And many times have you been down. God always sets boundary lines. Always. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Look at Adam and Eve. You can touch anything, don't touch that. A boundary line. Live in the blessing and abundance of everything in the garden, but don't touch that. Why does he give us boundary lines? Because he respects the free will that he's given us. Because God could have said, no, don't put boundary lines in, I'll put prison walls. Who wants to be in a prison? Who wants to be made to love God? Who wants to live in that relationship? Some twisted God that says, no, you have no way out. You just have to stay in this relationship. Have you ever been in one of them? with friends or with someone in work or whatever, where you have to. It's a nightmare. It's a killer. There's no joy in it. There's no enthusiasm in it. Imagine if God just put all these walls up and you go, you just walk down this line, don't move. Horrible existence. But God says, there's the boundary lines. I'm here for you. I'm here always for you. Stay within the lines and we grow and we glow together. Glow? That's a good one. And glow together. Amen. And he gives us the Holy Spirit when we become Christians to keep us within the boundaries so that we live in the pleasant places. He gives us, you know, when you do something wrong or you're going to do something wrong, the Holy Spirit highlights it. That's to keep us. I'm not a professional at this, but maybe Jimmy Flanagan should have been the one or James Flanagan should have been the one to tell us this. But I believe autopilot. I used to think autopilot is something you press on the plane and the plane flies up, down for you and everything. But it's not that. 
It's like they have all these sensors on it, and all the sensors pick up all these um, the wind speed and altitude and all that stuff, and and uh, it sends it to a computer. It's like like speed is anything, and it, so if the, when the pilot places autopilot, all these all these sensors pick her up, and it keeps it within a certain like line. That right, you just keep encouraging me. Say yeah, 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 and uh, it's only when it veers off, it'll make a noise, or it will automatically bring it back in to alignment. What a great picture. Cars have it now. Not my car, anyway. But cars have it now. That, um, but, uh, you, you know, you, you go over the sensor. That's what God has given you. That's conviction. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is. It's like you're going out of bounds now. You're not going to be living in peace. Ooh. You know, you correct it. You correct it quickly. Correct it, because you see when we don't correct it. Where's God in my life? Where's peace gone? Back there in the boundary lines. God walked away from me? No. So people always say to you, don't they, where was God? Exactly where you left him. Where was God in this? Where you left him in this. But the grace of God, you come back, you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. You come back, Father, I'm sorry. Will I work for you? Will I do ceremonies? No, get me a ring, get me a robe, and get me slippers. This is a son that's come home. You're back in the family place. Amen? There's a difference between... We don't have to wait. Here's a scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that you're loved, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus does not intend for us to wait to get to eternal life, to live an abundant life. It's not as hard for us. It's not as hard that we scrape through, hanging on by the skin of our teeth, that we've no joy, we've no hope. This is an endurance test. I'll just wait till I get to eternal life and all of this will be gone. Life is hard. I know it's hard. I've experienced the hardship of God. You have. But when you're in the pleasant places, the lines that have been set for you, you can still have peace and joy and hope even in the midst of the darkest night. You can still have it. You might be jumping around and bouncing off walls like John Hoyland or something. But you can have this joy in your heart that, is, that sustains you through troubled times. You can have this peace that holds you together when everyone else is falling apart. You can have it. You might, you're not saying that you won't have emotions. I'm not saying you won't have wrong thinking. But I'm telling you, there's an anchor that God puts deep inside of us that keeps us even when the boat is being flung all over the place. It'll never go outside the boundary lines unless we snip the rope. Never. You'll never go under when you're in your boundary lines. The enemy will never defeat you when you're in your boundary lines. He'll come against you, torment you, but won't defeat you. But you know yourself, because I know. This week, I was outside my boundary line. And I'm like, I don't like that place. Whatever it takes you to sleep, I woke up. Get into that place. Get back in. Don't stay out. Because he has something for you and me. I want us to stand. I have a song that they're going to line up. I've sent in. Just don't play it yet, guys. And I want to invite us. On a number. Oh, 
I want to hear this one. So I looked up that word. Um, Lord, you are my, allow my portion, my cup, and make my lot secure. The boundary lines are fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I looked up the word inheritance in the Hebrew. And it means this. Surely I will have possessions and property. And I felt the Lord told me to pray this morning for people that are in need, and particularly people that need houses or property. Could you put up your hand? You need a house. You're waiting on something to kick off, to kick in. So, Father, your word says that you're our portion, and this is part of our, surely I have a delightful property. Surely I have a delightful possession of things that I need. So I release in the name of Jesus Christ. I release your need into your possession in the name of Jesus. Houses that are needed, houses that are gone for, I release them into your world in the name of Jesus. That whoever is looking after them, I say move. Move in the favor of the saints of God. Move their, their name up to the top of the list. Move that document onto the right table in the name of Jesus. People that have needs, or just move the possessions that you need towards you in the name of Jesus. And release them. Why? Because this is the inheritance of the saints. That you have a father who provides for you. I release not only. Some people probably need to just ask Jesus into their heart right now. Because I want you to have eternal life. He wants you to have eternal life. And if you've never asked Jesus to come in and be your Lord and Savior. If you've never, if you want to know what it is to live in the pleasant places of God and away from that torment and away from that lack, away from that emptiness. I was praying this week, as well as in prayer, the Lord let me feel, it was like a word of knowledge. Just the emptiness of people waking up that morning that have believed certain things, that have sold their identity, that have lived and living different lifestyles, thinking this, I'll find out who I am when I do this and go there. I prayed so hard for the LG, LG, BT, is it? I knew I got wrong with the Lord knew. I prayed so hard and for, and it was like an emptiness. I felt that people have sold out their rights and sold out their identity to a lie. And they were waking up with pains in their stomach and aching and hollowness in their stomach, thinking, well, I bought into this and I can't get over because I've, I, 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 done all, said this was it, this was my life and I prayed and prayed and prayed just calling out people and praying that God's heart would be moved and God would move other people's hearts and, and, and you feel this morning like an emptiness inside you an emptiness, a hollowness, like an ache oh, what, where have I been, what have I done what, what have I sold myself out for here and God is, the Father is just calling you home and you feel it that's why he killed the fattened calf so that you wouldn't have an emptiness in the stomach physically. And what he will do physically, he'll do spiritually. He killed the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God was slain so spiritually you could be filled. Come on. 
Now walk with emptiness when you're the son or the daughter of a king. So those who haven't given your life to Jesus, it's easy. He's done all the hard work. He's made the way. He died. He, he took the sin. He took that shame. He took that guilt. He took them failures. Now will you give them to him? How about you? Well, I prayed the simplest prayer 30 years ago. Would you join with me, church, and those who are saying it for the first time? It's just an honest heart. That's all. That's all it is. You say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross for me, that you took the hit, you took the pain, you took my punishment so that I could get your peace. Jesus, forgive me. I give my sins to you and I ask you for your life. Jesus, I receive your life. Jesus, I give my life to you. Will you cause me to live for you and help me to live within the boundary lines of pleasant places? Fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can be empowered to live this life that you've called me to. Amen. Holy Spirit, will you just fill right now every empty space within their lives right now. Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill, bring heaven, bring abundant life, abundant life, abundant life.